Well, again, uh, it's good to be together today. This is always a, um, this weekend is always a bit of kind of a, a beginning of fall sort of thing for many of us, new rhythms and routines, schools back in session. And, and, and uh, I love the break of summer. I love kind of the disruption that summer provides and travel and vacations and seeing different family members. But I also love coming back to the fall and kind of a getting reestablished in and rhythm and um, and I'm looking forward to that for us as a community and a congregation here at, at Chapel Street Church Mill Creek. Um, many of you will know that it was just six years ago that we opened our doors for the very first time. Um, it was right around this time. In fact, next week would be the first time that we met as a core group for what we called soft launch. And it seems kind of amazing to think all that God has done over the course of, of those years and all the people that he has sort of circled in, brought in to be a part of this. And, and I just want you to know um, that's how we view you. Um, we view you that God has brought you in to be a part of the work that he has called us to do in this community and neighborhood, that you're a part of this mission and vision. And I'm incredibly grateful um, for that. I'm incredibly grateful that you are here to share in this work with us. I, I would imagine that most of you know the experience uh, where you are find yourself somewhere in your home, you think, oh, I left my keys or the remote control or my glasses, whatever it is, in this other part of the house. And so you go to go retrieve that item, but when you get to the room that you left the said item in, you're standing there trying to remember why you came to that room. Has anybody ever experienced this? Uh, it, it happens to me uh, more frequently than I would like to admit. Uh, it's worse when Sherry says, hey, can you go to this room and get this thing? And then like five minutes later, I have to come back and be like, I can't remember what I was doing, right? Like, um, it's interesting though, because I have always sort of just thought of this as sort of being preoccupied or, or having too much on my mind. Um, but psychologists have actually studied this, and they call this the doorway effect, meaning that, that our, our brains create mental maps, if you will, sort of purposes for specific spaces, so much so that the physical act of passing through a doorway can create in us a, 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 almost a divide, like uh, a type of reset, if you will. And it's true that, that being preoccupied, being exhausted, having a lot on our minds can increase this effect, but it's actually like our brains looking at a certain space, applying a certain purpose to that space, and then when we come in there for an alternate reason, there's a second where we're like, now why am I here again? At least I like to just tell myself there's a reason behind that happening in my life. And I wonder if we ever experience something similar to that when we walk through those doors. Like when we enter a space like this, and, and maybe we do it out of tradition, maybe it's become something of a routine, but we kind of come here and then sort of almost forget why we're here. Or, or perhaps conversely, may, maybe the same thing happens when we enter the parking lot, when, when we leave this space. And we return back to our homes and our lives. Maybe in many ways we have built sort of mental maps for what it means to be a part of 
of the church. And, and we come in and we experience it and maybe it's, it's hopefully it's some way life-giving and beneficial and there's something that, we, that we're encouraged by and yet some of the, the purpose uh, that we came with or that we talked about gets kind of left in this space. One of the things I loved about six years ago when this campus was launching and I know looking across the room, I, I can see that there was a number of you that were a part of that and, and um, I hope you'll remember it the same way that I do, but it was a time filled with vision and purpose. I remember gathering together and having this clear sense of calling of what, what we believed God was doing in this community, in this neighborhood, that we wanted to be a people that were um, reaching out where God had placed us. We were excited about the opportunities for the gospel and, and Mill Creek and then beyond in our own neighborhoods and we, we, we took time, we prayed over empty chairs and recognized that God had somebody in mind for that chair. And, and most likely that somebody in mind, it already existed in a relationship with one of us. And we were praying that God was going to fill that chair with that person who's going to work in their life. And, and I hope that much of that vision, much of that, that purpose has remained over the course of these last six years, but I think I would be naive and probably all of us would be naive to think that at some point in time in the course of that, there has, uh, that we've experienced some type of mission drift. I, I, speaking personally, I know that that happens in my heart and my life and, and I can kind of experience this doorway effect as it relates to what it means to be a part of the church. And so I can sometimes even preach a sermon you know, hopefully be somewhat relevant and inspiring and true to God's word and then leave here and, and return to kind of like my life out there. Am I, am I leaving with this same sense of purpose in my home, in my neighborhood, in my school, in my office? Or, or has the life and the message of the gospel that I just took in and worship and, and will take in in the reading of God's word, has that somehow been sort of forgotten? Or does it kind of go back of mind? And I'm, I'm assuming that I am not the only one who experiences this to, to one degree or another. That leads me to um, what we're doing over the next four weeks. Um, you can see, um, I, I want to put this, this logo up here. This is this is something we've been working on as a church, and it's going to make up kind of the content of our, our discussion over the course of the next four weeks. You, a lot of this language you may recognize and acknowledge. We've put some kind of greater detail to it as we think about how do we live out this purpose. But this series that we're in right now for the next four weeks is called The Pathway to Purpose. And as we head into the fall, I, I want to begin today by just revisiting our purpose as a church. As we look at these, these reminders, as we look at this, and, and what we'll really get into is, is more so the next three weeks is kind of how do we do this? But today, I, I want to just kind of go back to what it is that we believe God has called us to do. What does it mean to be a part of this church? In fact, not only just remind us, but, but hopefully invite us into that purpose. The church being this transformed group of people who have heard the message of Jesus, 
who have placed their faith in, in the grace of Jesus, who have been sent to live out in the way of Jesus, where Jesus has placed us in our lives. In the vernacular of Chapel Street, you've, you've heard us say phrases like Chapel Street exists to be a church, not just for ourselves, but for our neighbors, meaning that, that our desire, the impact of this existing is that it would have roots that go out into our community and our neighborhood. Pastor Jeff, uh, over the course of the last six or seven years when the neighborhood church vision really began to be articulated, he would oftentimes reference the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, if you remember, when the, the people of Israel are sent into exile and living in a place that is not their home instructs them on on how God might use them even while they're not in their own home. This is, this is Jeremiah 29, verse 7. He says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Jeremiah's vision, his desire for the people of Israel, remains very much what we believe God has called us into when we think about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. This is ultimately not our home, but we are here as ambassadors. In fact, this is even the significance of our church name. Um, the, 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 this, many of you might, if you're new with us, hear the name Chapel Street and think that somewhere in the history of this church, there was a campus that was on a street named Chapel. Um, but that's not what it's from. Um, in fact, the, the heart behind it is that each of us would vi uh, view where God has placed us, our specific homes, to be a chapel on our street. So that this really is not about four campuses and, and four specific neighborhoods, but when we think about those four campuses and, and the couple thousand people it represents, right, it's about a thousand chapels on a thousand different streets. The understanding that is our calling. And that is informs why we gather together and what all of this is about. So the gospel teaches us that our lives are, are not our own, but we have been redeemed, we've been saved for a purpose. And when we were saved, we were saved into a community of fellow Jesus followers. And we were saved into a community that has been sent into the world in which we live wherever God has placed us. Again, kind of in the verbiage or the vernacular that we use around here frequently, right? We'll just describe that little bit by, with the phrase for where you are. That wherever you go in life, whatever you do, whatever your job is, whatever, whatever uh, God has put your family or your spare time, all of this, that there is purpose, kingdom gospel purpose in that, that he wants to use you is a vision and, and mission. Again, for some of you, this might be repetitive, but, but we try to articulate what we believe God has called us to do. And it is this understanding of God's plan in the world that has ultimately shaped for us how we view our vision and mission in the church. So I want to just put this on the screen here. And again, uh, some of you might recognize this, but the way that we talk about our vision at Chapel Street is to be uh, at Chapel Street Church is to be a family of neighborhood churches 
committed to transforming lives and impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, downstream of those family of neighborhood churches, downstream of, of this Mill Creek campus is our homes. It's our streets, the place that God has put us to represent his kingdom. And we do that by trying to be a place where people will come in and experience grace and, and grow in their faith and make an impact. And then you see that phrase there, for where you are, wherever they're coming from. And that I know this morning, if you're new here with us this morning, that's, that's true of you. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what you're coming from, but we want, we're hopeful prayerful that that is your experience in big ways and small and here's the thing about all of this is we did not invent any of this none of this is particularly unique to chapel street church the expression of it the the, the strategy that we might feel like god has called to us that might have elements of it that are are unique to us or specific to us but all of this is just a continuation of the work that began some 2,000 years ago. When, when this group of Jesus followers, and, and many of you will know this story, this is after the resurrection, it's, it's after Jesus ascends into heaven, and they have gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, the Jewish festival of, of Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2 records how how the Holy Spirit does this work there. He shows up, he, the, the promise of Jesus, right? That he's going to send a helper, a comforter, the paraclete, the, the one who comes alongside. And, and when that happens with this group of Jesus followers, what we have is essentially the story of the birth of the church. Like I sometimes think of it, I don't know if like any of you, you have ever done one of those like family tree projects in school or if you've ever... Uh, done one of those like chromosome tests that tells you um, where you came from and who you're related to and, and um, what disease you're likely to have down the road or something like that. It's, um, I don't do it for that very reason. And, but all of those sorts of experiments, all that is meant to help us understand how we got to where we're at, right? It's our heritage. It's the story. And the point is what has gone before us informs what is happening now and and for us that is acts chapter 2 so these disciples are in jerusalem and the holy spirit is given to them and after the holy spirit is given to them there's this boldness that they have for the the purposes of jesus and almost immediately they began to, to just proclaim the gospel with clarity and, and conviction and power. There is this deep sense that they have that Jesus has placed us here in this moment to tell people who he is and what he's done and how they can know them. And so when you turn, and let's flip over there real fast, Acts chapter 2. We see people begin to hear Peter and the other disciples proclaiming the gospel and they start to respond this is now verse 37 of acts chapter 2 it says this it says when they heard this they were pierced to the heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what should we do so they've heard peter proclaim the gospel now what what do we do now Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about uh, baptized in that day about 3000 people were added to them this is the the transformative event this is the shared experience that drew them together peter and the disciples they proclaiming what jesus has done who he was how they could entrust their entire lives to him and to his calling to his message people are responding in in mass amounts in faith to this invitation of grace. And then look what happens as a result of this. Now back in verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. Right? That's, that's our origin story. Acts chapter 2 is, is the birth of the church. It's the beginning. It's our family tree. And it continues to shape, or it should, not only our purpose, but also our practice. How we do it. And that's, we're going to talk more about that over the next few weeks. The shared experience of being transformed by the gospel results, it produces, in this experience, in Acts chapter 2, this committed community. I think oftentimes when I have read Acts chapter 2, and certainly when I've taught on it, I, I focus kind of on those elements of the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread and what does all of this mean and how do we experience it. And, and like I said, we're going to dive more into that over the next couple of weeks. But I just want to, today, I, I want us to highlight those words at the, that precede that. It says that they devoted themselves. So notice here the cause and effect, right? There's this transformation that results because the invitation of Jesus has been proclaimed. That's the cause. And then there is a community of people who become deeply committed to God. They become deeply committed to one another. They become deeply committed to the mission and purpose of God in the world. The, the effect. The church, the people of God, then and, and now is a group who, as an act of their own will, that's that word devoted there, that's passive, it's not passive, it's active. Meaning that this is, they are, this is their response. They are saying, we are going to devote ourselves to this. It literally means to remain constantly in. Right? They're, they're remaining in the very thing that, that just changed their entire lives that changed their world. It's like the idea of like, I can't leave this place. What I have just come to believe, what I have come to understand, what, who God is and what he, I can't, 
I can't go back to pretending like nothing has changed here. They devoted themselves, not, not, not to the physical location of Jerusalem. They're, they are going to scatter. God is going to send them all over the place. But to the truth that they have encountered in the message of Jesus. I can't go on as if nothing has changed. And this is the power of the gospel. So notice what they devoted themselves to. Again, I'm going to be brief here, but they, they, they devoted themselves to a message. Acts 2 refers to it as the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? The apostles' teaching was, was Jesus, his salvation, and the way he taught us to live. It was the life and, and the death and the resurrection and the invitation of Jesus. And this is the core commitment of what it means to be a part of the church. It's this very same message that, that, that gathers us together. I, re, I remember in, um, in the Gospel of John, there's this in moment when Jesus is beginning to start to prepare his disciples, meaning the larger following of people who have been um, moved by the message of Jesus. They're interested in his teaching, and he starts to talk about things that are coming up that are going to be really difficult. And, and for some who are there, who are hearing this, it's, it's too much. Meaning that their response to that is, uh, I liked the miracles, I liked the healings, all this talk about your life being taken and all that sort of stuff. Like, and, and people start to leave. People start to go back and, and go home. And in, Acts, or in uh, John chapter 6, Jesus turns the conversation to the 12, to the disciples who were closest to him. And this is what he says in, in verse 67. He says, you don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. They devoted themselves to the message of Jesus. Where else? What, what do we leave this for, essentially? Secondly, they devoted themselves to, to the movement. Sometimes we talk about this as, as a lifestyle, as living in the way of Jesus. We, we see this on display in Acts chapter 2 when it describes this, this powerfully drawn together community that is doing life together. It's marked by radical generosity for the benefit of others. So there's this group of people who now understand that, that those things that they have in life, they're not their own. All of it belongs to to Jesus, all of it belongs to God. So if he wants to use it for his glory and his purposes, so be it. Like there's just this radical shift and movement. And again, we get this picture of, of the kingdom of God being lived out in the midst of the kingdom of this world. And it's a, just a stark display, a stark difference. Just as Jeremiah had taught the people of Israel to live as exiles, Right? What it would look like to seek the benefit of the city where God had sent them. Jesus has taught us to live as people who are in a world in which is not their home, in which we do not belong. This, is, this, this has been the mission, uh, the, the movement of the church to live in the way of Jesus. And it is radically different. And then thirdly, they devoted themselves to the mission. They devoted themselves to the mission. 
the message and the movement as this becomes lived out. And we see this in the text here. Look, look at the very end of 46 and 47. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Everywhere the church went, it went with the purpose of advancing the mission of Jesus, that people would know who he is, the grace that he has offered, and the life that comes through faith in him. They devoted themselves to the mission. When Jesus left his disciples, if you remember in Matthew chapter 28, it's a, a famous passage. It's, it's referred to as the Great Commission, but he's going to a sin. He's leaving them with the work, and these are the words he leaves them with. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Notice that. So as they commit themselves to the mission of Jesus, as people begin to respond in faith, then he says, I want you to teach them the message and the movement. I want you to teach them what the gospel is and teach them what it means to live according to my kingdom. And all of this because there was a group of people who devoted themselves to a man, Jesus Christ. Right? This is why we're here. This is the purpose. This is the neighborhood church vision. This is what it's about. When we come in to this place, this is what we want to proclaim to each other. When we leave, this is what we want to define our experience in the world around us. That our homes where God has placed us, our, our desks in our workplaces, that each of these things would be chapels on our streets, the locker in your school, the, the, the teammate that sits next to you would be a chapel on your street. It's the work of the gospel in our lives. A community drawn together, Jesus followers, devoted, devoted to the message, the movement, and the mission of Jesus. You know, oftentimes we... Um, try to think of ways to kind of like bring home or illustrate the, the text, what, what we feel like God is teaching us through his word, and we tell stories or use illustrations to do that. And this morning, I want to I end by um, sharing with you um, a story of a friend of mine named Danny Flores. Um, some of you have heard us talk a little bit about Danny. Danny is a pastor in Elgin, who um, it's a long story that I won't tell fully all today, but got connected with Chapel Street and the church he leads there. And Chapel Street have started a Spanish-speaking service called Capilla on, on Sunday evenings. And I think Danny's story um, powerfully articulates the mission and the, the purpose of the church. And so I want us to, to hear from Danny this morning. Check this out. My name is uh, Daniel, but people call me Danny. Born and raised in Mexico till the age of uh, 17. That's uh, when I uh, made up my mind to come into America. If I can be brutally honest, I mean, I was here illegally. Um, had to work under a different name. I had no worker's permit, but I had to survive. And that's kind of what I did. And a few months after I got here and started working, there was a church in the neighborhood that was doing outreach in the trailer park where I lived. And I remember just being outside, getting high. I was lost. I had been addicted 
um, to drugs since the age of 13. I remember this church came and they were just going trailer by trailer and they stopped at ours and uh, they asked me how I was doing. Um, I had to pretend I was fine and they noticed that there was something wrong with me and they said, hey man, listen, uh, we wanna invite you to church. I said, yeah, 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 when is it? They said, Sunday. So I went to church that Sunday and I remember just sitting in the back and as I'm sitting there and the pastor's preaching, I felt like nobody was there and the church was packed, but I just felt like nobody was there and I felt as if he was talking to me. Um, and I remember just crying in the back, crying. I was lonely, I was afraid, I was stuck, I was in chains, I was in bondage, I was addicted. But I remember that day, like if it was today, just the message of the gospel, right, piercing my heart. At that moment, um, I felt that the Holy Spirit was telling me, right, uh, you're going to be a pastor one day. From the moment I gave my life to the Lord and the pastor started discipling me, and then I started serving in the church, and then um, I had to uh, work in the morning, and then I went to do uh, ESL classes, uh, English as Second Language classes at night, and then right afterwards, uh, there was a GED class. Here I am learning English and at the same time trying to you know, be up to speed to the education of the United States because I was in Mexico and I only went to fifth grade, so it was so hard, but um, that was like, I'm sorry, that was like the step to, to like be able to um, go into ministry or, or study to be a pastor, right? And I was so passionate, so, I'm sorry. It's, just brings back memories of those times because it was hard. Like being illegal in the country, right? It was tough. I'm so passionate about immigrants. I'm so passionate about serving the Latino community. That's why I'm, I'm so passionate about hurting those who struggle with addictions, those who, you know, are lost and because of where I come from and I, I take it as, man, that's the journey that the Lord allowed me to go through to be able to now serve Him and serve His people and to many the least of these, right? Spanish-speaking people that are in the country that come from other places that are, you know, first-generation Latinos, we definitely feel out of place. We already assume that people don't want us here, right? We assume that. It's not, it, it might not be the case, but we assume that. So sometimes we're even afraid to make eye contact, right? Because it's like, no, I, I, I shouldn't be here. This is not my home. So how can the American church integrate the Latino church into what the Lord is doing, right? There are certain things that are obvious, right? Like utilizing resources. And, and being generous above and beyond is, 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 is you know, that's a given. Like, I've, I, I think many churches do that. But one thing is uh, the relational part. The gospel is about relationships, so it's, what, it was, it's, it's what's gonna make the difference. It's making the effort, right, to, maybe you're not gonna be the best of friends, but if you can some way, somehow build a friendship, a relationship with someone in your community that doesn't look like you, that might not have your background, your social status, right? And that you can start to build some type of relationship with them, um, it's gonna be very impactful.
since the month of uh, April, we started uh, something called Capilla, which is an all Spanish church in the South Street campus. You guys have this, this thing at, at Chapel Street that uh, says for where you are. For Capilla, we decided to do something that's called Para Todos y Para Donde Estés, for everyone and for where you are. The thing is that um, in our culture, in the Latin American culture, when you come into a country that is not yours, you want to know if you are welcome, right? Because not many people feel welcome. So for us, we wanted them to know that they are welcome. There's a story about um, a young man who came to the Lord there, right? Lost, just like Danny when he was 17. Lost, hurting, in pain and gave his life to the Lord in one of our family nights that we had, one of our worship nights. And two weeks ago, he got baptized there on outside of the South Street campus. We did it just for him, but we did something very special for him. And um, his family was there and it was just awesome. His family is restored, he's serving the Lord, he's, he's has been healed, you know. It, it's just amazing to see, right, that we haven't even started. People are already coming to the Lord and already getting baptized and, and being disciples, you know. And that's what Capilla is all about, you know, just reaching the least of these, reaching those who are lost. It doesn't matter where you come from, right? And for us, um, doing it for him was like, man, this is not about the great numbers, but this is about that one soul right, that needs to know Jesus. That same feeling that I had when when I gave my life to the Lord and I was being called into ministry is is is, is the same feeling and, and the same confirmation and the same calling that I feel now that the Lord is calling us to do capilla. This was being prepared in Mexico. You know? At 13 years old when that kid was lost. Gospel amazing. Isn't the gospel amazing? Um, I, I think about a group of Swedish immigrants in 1894 starting a church who it spoke Swedish in that service for the first 30 years of their gathering. I was like, sweet. Um, Never, never envisioning, never hearing Danny's story, but this is the continuation of what God began 2,000 years ago with a group of Jesus followers during the celebration of Pentecost, when people heard the gospel, responded in faith, and were sent out on a movement. And my desire for us is that we would be a people who knows why we're here and who knows what we're being sent to do. This is, this is our purpose. This is why we gather. Let's worship together. Amen. Um, before I offer this morning's benediction, a, a reminder that our prayer team is available. Um, that's one of the ways that we care for each other, walk us alongside of each other. So if we can pray with you, it's a privilege to do that. If you came prepared to give today, our generosity boxes are, are by the side doors, and we are so grateful um, for all the ways that you participate 
and, and this purpose and, and what God has called us to as a community. And uh, for our benediction, um, if you know Pastor Bruce, many of you maybe had students when he was our middle school pastor for years, but he would oftentimes at the end of his time with the middle school kids say, you're not dismissed, you're commissioned. Anybody ever heard that from, yeah, that's, I could hear some people. Church, today, you are not dismissed, you are commissioned. Go with purpose.